Amen, amen. Well, happy Father's Day to everybody. And if you are not a father yet, man, it is a joy to be a dad. Um, And, you know, um, because I'm the one preaching, I get to brag on my kids. So I just want to show a picture. I think we've got it. Um, We celebrated Father's Day yesterday because of my job. We don't really get to do the full-on thing this morning. So we did Father's Day yesterday. Do we got that picture of some of those cards? All right, there we go. So, yeah, this is, this is to get that exact response. Um, but I, here's, here's why I'm showing you this, not only because it's incredible and it's not for sale, but, um, but, you know, yesterday my kids made these little cards for me for Father's Day. And you know, you look at that, and you're not going to want to buy one of those on Etsy or something like that. But to me, that's priceless, right? So that's priceless because they're writing those to me. They are personalized. They are custom made. They are from my own flesh. They have literally made those for me. And with my kids making those, I just want to highlight the fact that, number one, children are a blessing from the Lord. Do they take a lot of work? Yes. But as the old adage is, you know, if it doesn't cost you much, it's not really worth much in life. Right? And so, man, having children and raising them, it is costly. It is sacrificial. Um, But in the same way that God sent his son Jesus to sacrifice his own life for us to become children of God, it's the same way for fathers. So I just want you to know that being a father requires sacrifice, but the blessings are immense. I mean, to have those cards yesterday morning, I don't even cry much. I was on the verge, okay? And I'm like, this is beautiful. And little Gwyneth loves drawing the rainbows, and, and Ethan drew this little baseball diamond thing. And I'm, you couldn't see it, but what he wrote was, he said, Dad, he wrote a little note, and he said it was him pitching on the pitcher's mound, it was me over there in the dugout because I'm the head coach. And he said, Dad, when I'm pitching and I get nervous, I always look to you. And I was like, I've done it. Lord, take me now. I can go. You know, I was like, oh, man, that is awesome. You know? And so I just want to encourage you dads in the room and future dads and fathers that have sons in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Like, where you fall on the spectrum? You know the days are challenging and it is difficult to raise kids, but what a blessing. I would not trade it for anything. I would not trade all the hours and the nights and the days that you have to give and the energy and the emotional energy and all those pieces. I wouldn't trade it. It is such a beautiful thing. So first, I just want to say children are a blessing from the Lord. And number two, um, fathers, thank you for being fathers. And wherever you have fallen short, that's why we have the grace of God. Forgiveness is available at the cross. And you can re-up today, (laughs) right? Just because you've missed it in one time or another, or just because your own father or grandfather missed it, you know what? The grace of God is present. The forgiveness is available for all. And I just shared with the with our tech team right before the service, it just said, you know, I said, the thing about men, specifically fathers, is that they tend to have a hard exterior and a soft interior. And I said, for men, what men usually need is they need someone to call the gold out of them because they don't know that it exists. And so even the hardest of men or fathers or grandpas or uncles, like, man, he's just hard on me. It's like, There is a soft spot in there because he was created by God. Whether he knows it or not, he was created by God and God puts a soft spot in everybody. And so it's our job, even with our own fathers or grandfathers, to say, hey, there may not be a whole lot of nice things I have to say about you because it may be your rough experience with your father or grandfather, but I want you to say, I want you to know this, God will give you the words to say to encourage them. There is nothing more powerful than encouraging someone that has maybe even not been there for you or have not done things the right way, but man, to say, I love you anyways, and I want to say this one thing about you anyways, man, that can undo someone, right? I don't want to kill them with kindness, but something like that. All right. (laughs) Sound good? Um, 
So today's Father's Day, super excited to get to, to get to preach today. We're going to continue our series in Galatians chapter 5. And so if you've got your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Now, we just sang several songs that had the word free or freedom in it, right? And talking about the freedom Christ provides us. And I just forgot, I'm gonna pause real quick. Father's Day, we actually have a gift for you, okay? My team's telling me, Tyler, you forgot this. All right, so here's the deal. It's not the movies, it's church, but we're giving you beef jerky, okay? So... Uh, if you're a father in the house, raise your hand real quick. Our team's going to get you some beef jerky. All right? Not future fathers, all right? You got to wait your time. So they got jerky. You can double up if we, don't, we got too much. All right? It's going to smell a little bit, but you know what? We figured Father's Day, if there's going to be one day the church smells like jerky, it's today. <clears throat> okay? So sorry about that, team. Way to go. That's me just going off on my kids. All right. Get your beef jerky. All right, pipe down. Here we go. We're going to hop back into it, okay? So, as the jerky's being passed around, go and crack it open. It's okay. You can share if you want to. Just, you know, you don't have to be stingy, right? Sacrificial, Father's Day, okay? Be a good neighbor. All right. Beef jerky. Hey, don't thank me. Thank Jacqueline. It was actually her idea. So, way to go, Jacqueline. All right, here we go. Hit the reset button. I feel like I'm in school or something, you know, teaching a bunch of third graders. Here we go. Galatians 5. You know, it's like you got to raise your hand, one, two, three, eyes on me. It's like, you know, it's just, hey, with food, it, we're all like that, okay? All right, well, hey, Galatians 5. So here's Paul again. If you haven't tracked with us, remember, this whole letter is written to existing believers, Christians in Galatia, in this place, and he's writing to them because there are some men who came from Jerusalem that were, that were formerly of Jewish faith, but they are still Jewish ethnicity, but yet they've converted to Christianity and now followers of Christ. And they're coming in saying, hey, you guys need to uphold some of the Jewish traditions and laws in order to be a real Christian, right? In order to be authentic Jesus follower, you still got to do a couple of things. And if you don't know, if you read Deuteronomy, Leviticus, you read the, the Ten Commandments, you read all the different laws and ordinances and rituals they had to do in order to keep themselves clean and to stay in this proper place with God, they had to institute all these different elements. And so Paul comes and preaches to people and says, hey, Jesus Christ did it all. It's no longer by works you're saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes you righteous, not washing your hands several times a day, not doing this or doing that, but it's what Christ has done on the cross singly. That is what set you free, his sacrifice. But people came in and said, hey, no, 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 no. It's Jesus plus. Let me tell you about Jesus plus gospel, Jesus plus Christianity. And so he is pushing back on the Jesus plus narrative, right? And so he says this phrase, he says, don't go back on these works-based things, because if you do that, it'll be like this yoke of slavery on you again. So what's he referring to? Well, um, you know, with all these requirements these other men said they need to do, they were saying that Jesus was good and following him, but you also needed to be circumcised and to follow all the laws and the precepts that were given by Moses laid out for the Jews. So the yoke of slavery in essence is referring to people who continue to follow the law in order to be in right standing with God or in order to feel like they are saved. 
But actually, Paul is saying, if you believe that you have to keep up all these laws and ordinances to remain in right standing with God, you're actually still slaves to your own sin. Do you see the importance here? The importance is that they are actually tricking themselves and are deceived, deceived in thinking that they are in right standing when they're not. And that's kind of a big deal, right? To like, to think that actually you're accepted and to think that actually you're walking in freedom, but when you're not. It would be like Texas A&M sending a fake acceptance letter to you as a senior in high school. I mean, that would be brutal. It'd be like, no, I got, I'm, I'm packing. We signed a lease for a really cool apartment with a pool and, and we got all of our stuff. You're ready to go to fish camp and we go to Bed Bath & Beyond and charge our credit card and then we show up and it's like, little Timmy's here for college. You're like, who's Timmy? He's not on the list. And it's like, whoa, whoa no, but we got this letter. Yeah, that was a false letter. You were deceived, Sorry. Didn't, it's like, whoa. So in a way, right, much lesser than getting an A&M or not, obviously. But in a way, Paul is saying, guys, you're being duped. You're being duped by these guys who want to hold on to their old religion and try to mount it on you to make them feel better. Ever heard of that before? That happens a lot today. This isn't just 2,000 years ago. This is modern day. Hey, man. Jesus is awesome, but you need to wear this, do your hair like that, make sure you talk like this, make sure you read these books, these authors, make sure you listen to these worship songs, make sure that you go into this crowd and this group, make sure you're on board with this social cause, make sure you're in line with this thing and this thing, then if you do all that, then you're a real Christian. But if you don't do all that, man, you didn't make the list. Did you not get the memo about X? That is happening today. It's happening today. Paulus, if he was here, he would say, cut it out. <laughs> Christ did it. Not your good works, not your good motives, not the things you're associated with or what class of society you're a part of or the color of skin that you have or the church you go to or the denomination you're affiliated with or the political party that you vote with. None of that matters. Right? Jew, Greek, Gentile. I mean, man, woman, young, old. Christ came for all. Because God designed all. And God is on a mission to win his people back. But he does it through his son and through the gospel message being communicated clearly, which is what Paul was doing, communicating the message clearly to a people. Now, I think it's fitting that I read this passage today acknowledging that yesterday was June 19th, Juneteenth. And if you don't know with the news, then this week, Juneteenth became a federal holiday uh, this year, starting this year. And, you know, um, I have to be honest, I did not know much about Juneteenth. Uh, about a year ago, I learned about it, really honestly, for me, about a year ago. And so if you don't know, Juneteenth marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops' arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end to slavery in the United States. So that's fitting right now, not just now, but throughout history, but especially right now in our country to acknowledge that something as egregious and terrible as slavery that even still exists in our own state here in Texas, even after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, that then federal troops came in to finally cease and end it. So I just wanna to say to our African-American brothers and sisters, um, we celebrate with you. And just remembering what ancestors have had to go through. Just like for any of us, it's good that we remember our history, the good, bad, and the ugly. Right? The good, bad, and ugly, that's still part of our story, still part of our history. So our job is to say, hey, how do we learn from things in the past? 
and then how we position ourselves to honor God and our society and to honor people and to love people, regardless of what has happened or where we are, that God has called us as Jesus Christ, becoming the umbrella of Jesus, he's called us to come to a place of unity and the spirit of bond of peace. It's like there's a bonding that comes together with us as a people, regardless of skin color, regardless of where we've come from, our own personal backgrounds or lifestyles before we came to Christ. He calls us in and he calls us in to be a body and to be a family. So I just want you to know that, that we celebrate with you here on Father's Day, and we celebrate that that yoke of slavery was officially taken off, maybe in the secular realm, but we still acknowledge that no matter what your race, everybody is underneath the yoke of slavery to the bondage of sin until Christ set them free. Jesus Christ is the only one that can literally, completely free you, not just in this life, but in the life to come. Amen. So the last phrase Paul says there in verse six, he says, for in Christ Jesus, circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. So if faith working through love is the only thing that really counts, not our clothes, not what we're associated with, not the things that we follow on social media or not even our political stances, that those things are actually pale in comparison. They don't really count. What counts in regards to the real true gospel is that Jesus Christ has saved us and that, his, and that the love of God works through him and then works through us. And that is where the faith comes from. It's the Holy Spirit convicting us to respond to that message of what Jesus has done and dying on the cross for our sins, that response, that conviction led by the Holy Spirit is when it leads us to be saved and we put faith in a Jesus who we can't physically see. We put faith in God who we can't physically see right now, but we have faith. Paul continues in verse seven through 15. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? That's a great question, you know? We should start saying it to each other. Hey, who hindered you from obeying the truth? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of hindrances. You know what I'm saying? I'm starting to get tired of them. All right, we're going to keep going, though. <laughs> this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's another word for yeast. We'll get to that in a minute. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Verse 12, I wish those, now just look out, ready? I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. It's starting to get graphic. <laughs> For you were called to freedom. Now just, I'm reading this because I want you to know, Paul, no matter how tall or short he was or whoever he was, the guy brought it. So don't imagine reading this by like candlelight sipping tea, like, hmm. Imagine him in your face, knowing you've been deceived by heaping on all these other religious requirements for salvation and him coming at you like a UFC fighter, okay? This is Paul. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. You're not consumed by one another. Whoa. I just, I want to read this line just again, real quick. I just want you to think about a time that you or someone you may know did this. But if you bite and devour one another, Watch out, you're not consumed by one another. Usually consumed has to do with consuming fire. Like literally consumed, like. <laughs> so here's my admonition church. Um, <laughs> we were called to freedom. And anyone that tries to put a hindrance in your way, anything, anything that comes between you and Jesus, that is a hindrance. That's an obstacle that Paul is saying, guys, we gotta be diligent and aggressive to remove, to remove that. That could be a mindset, 
You know, that there's a lie that we believe. That could be something that our parents or grandparents told us about this is what you have to do in order to be a real Christian. That could be something that a pastor or preacher or someone's taught you, a Sunday school teacher, and you stuck with you all these years. That could be an experience you have. That could be someone's, uh, someone interpreting the Bible in a way that kind of gets skewy or weird. Or that could just be taking man's opinions about things and, and then kind of justifying stuff. And all of a sudden now you don't see Jesus clearly. It's kind of, it's now fuzzy Jesus. Whatever that is, man, Paul is saying he wants to make a way for you to know him unhindered, no obstacles. You know, he mentioned a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. If you don't know, I do enjoy making bread. I used to think I was pretty good at it, but then some people on our staff started making bread and they keep bringing it on Mondays and it's delicious. So I don't know. I think I may be getting beat, but that's okay. I'm a humble man. And, um, you know, but in the bread making realm, if you don't know this, when you make bread with yeast or leaven, there's a few factors, right? So the yeast must rise, right? And so the yeast actually takes time to rise the dough. And once you knead in all the yeast into the dough and you give it time to rise, what the yeast is doing, it's actually eating. Kind of weird, right? But that's the fermenting process. The yeast is actually eating the sugars in the flour, and that's what allows the dough to grow, right? This may be going back to basics, home ec for some of us, but just letting you know, that's what happens with bread. So the yeast eats it, right? And but in order for the yeast, this is key, in order for the yeast to properly ferment the dough and to eat it, it has to be at a specific temperature. So the ideal temperature for bread to rise is between 80 and 90 degrees. If it's lower than 80 degrees, it'll still do its job, but it'll just be slower. But if it goes much higher than 90 degrees, it'll actually kill the yeast, and won't allow for it to rise at all. So when Paul says a little leaven leavens the whole lump, <clears throat> what I want you to hear is, of course, he's referring to sin. He's referring to these lies. He's referring to things that it needed in to the church congregation and to the believer's mind and to the Christian saying, hey, you have to do this, you have to do that. A little starts here, but then it starts getting kneaded in. And if it's in the right environment, it begins to fester and spread and grow, right? Because that's what's happening. The idea is it's happening. What he's saying is in the right temperature and the right environment, all of a sudden, that's going to now spread, and the whole dough is now going to be leavened, right? And now it's going to spread to everything, and now it's part of everything we're doing. He is countering that idea because what he's trying to say is, hey, we need to, one, identify where that leaven is, that yeast is, and then, by the way, we need to make sure it's an environment where it can't grow when it does show up. So how do you do that? How do you create an environment in your life to where you maintain this place of freedom? One, as I would say, if you commit to living a life of thankfulness, that's going to go a long way. If you commit to living a life of thankfulness, thankful to God, thankful to your spouse, thankful to your kids, thankful to your boss, thankful for the day, thankfulness goes a long way. That's an attitude heart thing. But then when it comes to truth, how do you do that? You just got to put the word in you more. Like, you, you got to eat it. I mean, not literally. That's not going to do any good. Might cause you an upset stomach. But you need to devour the word. Like, that's what we need to do. In order to have a life to where you maintain that freedom, you, you've got to be eating it. I mean, I don't know about you. I've fasted before. I can't go... I've never done one of those 40-day fasts. If you've done that, man, amazing, okay? I've done like a 12-dayer, and man, that was hard. You know, when you're just doing water, or just some water and a little bit of juice, and it's like, that's hard. When we do in the summer, that's usually not a good idea either, you know, because you're just about to faint every time you move somewhere, okay? <laughs> I, I can't live if I don't eat at some point. That's the way it goes. I think God designed us in such a way where everything in life points back to him. You have to eat or else you won't live. But you have to eat good stuff, not junk. 
Junk will actually end your life earlier. Junk food will cause you all sorts of diseases and sicknesses. That's fact. Good food, wholesome food, food the way it was intended to be made, not all manipulated, guess what? That food's gonna do your body good. Water, you have to drink water. Some of you guys need one of those little water bottles. My wife has one, it has like 12 incursions on it. It's like, good job, way to go, you're almost there. I don't drink that, because I don't do that stuff. She loves it, it's this huge thing, and it can't fit anywhere, so it always tumps over everywhere. So frustrating. I'm like, babe, can I get you a skinny one? This is really tall, you know? And, you know, and it's like, man, that's what you need. But it's like, I'm telling you, you need to eat food and drink the water, right? And oftentimes the word of God is like, talked about like the bread of life, like, talks about the word is what we have to eat. Feast ourselves in the word, right? Joshua 1, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, right? Like, we have to get the word in us, the truth in us. And when the truth is in you, you don't have to worry about all the false stuff. I just want to remind us, guys. Oh, man. We chase after the false things. Think about how many hours. You don't have to raise your hand. I want you to just take a moment. Seriously, think. How much time have you given to, just in the last 12 months, to conspiracies, to offshoots, to damaging articles, to this pastor that fell into something and go down that road. How many of us have spent our time and energy chasing after all the negative, all the bad, all the stuff, instead of actually spending our time with a thing that's actually truthful and actually helpful? Last I checked, the news does not encourage my soul. Does it to you? I mean, I've never found anybody. Man, the news, I just read it, it picks me up. I've never met a human being that says, the news, man, that's so encouraging. That's uplifting. That's gonna help me get an extra step in my day. No, it's always depressing, always negative, always critical, because it's trying to find something that's gonna, that's gonna get that place in you that's tempting you to go fleshly, because the news is worldly. It's like, hello. It's like I tell my kids, we don't watch commercials. You know why? Because I don't want you to want something you didn't know you wanted. That's why you don't take your kids at Christmas shopping to the store. If you don't have kids, you don't understand. It's a bad idea. Unless you physically strap them into the cart. Say, you will not touch anything. You know, it's just, because why? She's, oh, I want that. I want that. I need that. No, you don't need that. You know, that thing existed five minutes ago. Now you have to have it. Come on. I'm not talking about kids now. Ooh, Father's Day. It's Father's Day. We must buy some sort of tool. I mean, come on, guys. Be a little smarter. Do you know what I'm saying? You're Jesus followers. The Holy Spirit's not an idiot. Doesn't get suckered into things. Spirit of God, he is wise beyond, discerning beyond. You do not have to succumb to foolish teaching, foolish talk, being led astray to different things. Don't do that. Quit making excuses. Turn it off. Put it away. I, I dare you to say I'm going to take a week without reading anything else but the word. I dare you. And you eights in the room in Enneagram, you're going to take that challenge. I know you are. <laughs> the rest of you peacemakers, number nine, is like, I don't know, dude. I don't want to cause a ruckus. It's just kind of... <laughs> yeah, I know about the Enneagram. <laughs> My point is this, guys. <laughs> know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Set you free. So everybody's walking around. I don't know what the Bible says. I feel illiterate. Whose problem is that? Is that my problem? Is that my fault that you don't know the Bible? Is it my fault you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount? Is it in a language you don't understand? No, this is foolishness. It is unaudible. It is, you can listen. If you can't read, you can listen. If you can't hear, you can look. I mean, there's, if you don't have either, you can, I mean, there's, there's so many ways the word is still available. 
but I'm concerned because it's so available, we ignore it. We ignore it. I'm telling you guys, we spend a lot of time. Men in the room, I'm a dad. Listen, I like sports. But I think we can all admit, we maybe have too many stats, too many players' numbers, too many scores in our head. And we've got very little of this. And we wonder why our marriage is struggling. We wonder why our kids don't respect us. We wonder why I feel kind of discouraged and depressed. You wonder why things aren't on the up in life? It's right there. It's here, y'all. I don't have much fatherly advice to give you, but just to read this and do it. Okay, we gotta get moving here, apparently. You know, I wanna mention one other thing. You know, there are, there are false gospels, and I just said, I don't want you to go chase after all the false stuff, or, or you shouldn't go search, hey, what are the 30 different false doctrines I think that's gonna lead you astray? Just know the true one, okay? But I'll share one with you. It's, it's the grace movement. You may have heard of this. Um, the grace movement, more or less, today that's going on is that preachers are offering people grace in advance before they're convinced they need it. Preaching that unconditional love includes unconditional acceptance of one's lifestyle. Now, to be clear, he loves those who are in Christ unconditionally. This does not mean God does not discipline us for our waywardness. So be clear, unconditional love is different than unconditional acceptance. Here's another one, the gospel of social justice. In the early 20th century, many churches left out the preaching of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection and replaced it with doing good to their fellow man. Today, many young people feel they don't fit with the evangelical conservative stance in politics and have chosen to devote themselves to social justice. And many, because of that, have abandoned the doctrine of personal repentance and opted for a more practical gospel of helping those in need for their salvation. So to be clear, we need gospel-driven social work. But compassion should motivate us not only to relieve the suffering of this world, but the world to come. Listen, you give somebody a cup of cold water here and now, and they're ripe and ready to hear the good news of Jesus, and you don't share it, and they die the next day, you just gave them water for this life, but not for the life to come. Now, people don't want to hear that. They don't like, they think you should separate out the gospel and helping people, right? Like build water wells, but leave Jesus out of it. Even though Jesus said, I'm living water, right? It's like, it's like, no, go build people some houses and help them, but don't pray, don't talk about Jesus. Just say, you know, we love you. That's not gonna, that's not gonna help them in the next life. There's only two options, it's heaven and hell. So be concerned and have compassion now, but do not stop at giving them water or a meal today. Continue water and meals while you're sharing Jesus and being a living witness to them. Because the meal will satisfy your stomach for a few hours, but the hope of Jesus lasts for a lifetime. Amen? So you were called to freedom. One of the note in this passage, and we'll wrap it up this last section. When Paul says that for Christ set you free, you were called to freedom in Christ, I just want to remind us, freedom is not a license to sin. It's not a license to sin. It's not an approval to sin. It's not to choose your own truth. This freedom is not for self-advancement, but it's for serving one another. That's what our freedom is meant for. This man, when you are free, you're then desires to go free others yep. <laughs> and to serve others, right? It's what I'm trying to tell my kids all the time that, hey, you don't, you don't just receive things from mom and dad. You need to pass it on. We don't hoard our money. We don't hoard the ideas. We don't 
hoard these things. It's like, if you have a place to give or to help or serve, we're gonna do that. We're gonna keep things flowing in life because how can I not? That's what God has done for me. That's what he's commanded me. He said, do as I've done unto you. So therefore, we are to love and to serve as Jesus has loved and served us. All right, the last section here. Galatians chapter five, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the spirit. Now this is where it's about to get good. Everybody, so everybody if you're feeling like, man, Tyler's Father's Day. That's okay. Hey, Father like be tough, tough. All right, so this is like talk tough Sunday, okay? But now we're about to get in encouragement mode, talking about the Holy Spirit. Here we go. But I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. There's a little war going on. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's good news, by the way. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm gonna pause there before we get on to this last part. This is actually the really encouraging part. That's a long list. Man, Paul, dude, lay off a little bit, right? It's like, come on, man. Like, uh, why are you calling everything out here? <laughs> um, I want you to put that verse back up there, that verse uh, 20, 21, if we got it. Um, I want you to look at that list for a minute here. Go back to 20, maybe. Yep. So just look at that just for a minute. I want you to think, man, is that present in my life? I told. There's even a hint of it. I mean, guys, I'll, I'll tell you, it's like, I don't want to be near any one of these things, but I also know as a human being, I am tempted in these things. Oh, it's right there. Sometimes it's like outside your door, it feels like. You're like, man, some of us feel stuck, right? Some of us um, didn't even know this was like bad, you know? Some of us are like, no, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm walking in freedom, but man, that's just right there. Every time I show up on Mondays to work, it's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's like Sundays are my, my safe spot <laughs> at the office, you know? But man, there's some crazy people that aren't following God that are living lives that are making me confused and torn. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be clear, though, that Paul is making it so clear. Every one of these deals is solvable by Jesus. You don't don't need therapy. You, You need Jesus Christ. Therapy can be supplemental. Counseling is supplemental. A friend is supplemental. A family getting around you is supplemental. It ain't primary. Primary is Jesus. Everything in our lives, social media apps to self-help books and all that, those are fine. Supplemental. They're not primary. We gotta get that in our hearts and minds, guys. The solution to idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and jealousy is Jesus Christ, period. It is him. It is coming to the cross and saying, I submit my life and surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let your blood wash over me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, fill me so that now I see things as you see. Guys, when I really started walking with Jesus, when it filled with the Holy Spirit, I started seeing everything differently. The movies I used to watch, I'd turn them on and I couldn't watch them. I literally was grieved inside, like my stomach turned. And I'm like, Whoa, I did not know that was in there. (laughs) Right? You start to get into conversation with people and the way they talk and they slander and they gossip and they and you're like, I am not, that's not how I do things anymore. I used to be like that, but not anymore. And now it grieves me. Now it makes me feel strange. We teach our kids, whenever your heart feels yucky, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, something's off. So if you feel like someone told you something and you start, you're starting to go to bed at night and you're feeling icky like you weren't supposed to tell mom and dad, you need to tell mom and dad. Because the Holy Spirit saying, hey, uh, red light, red light, something's off. 
So when we feel that, you don't hide it or stuff it or wait to journal it next week. You come to Jesus in that moment, pull your coffee out, shut, put your earphones on, walk outside five minutes, say, Jesus, forgive me, Lord, for looking at that, for saying that. Lord, cleanse me right now. I'm so sorry, but Lord, help me move forward. And he says, absolutely, Tyler, let's go back in there and get the job done. It's not wait a year from now to confess it all. My gosh, you know, it's like you don't wait till Sundays. <laughs> Come on, people. It's now. It's today. It's the Holy Spirit didn't go to sleep. He didn't have work hours. All the time, he's working. All the time. All the time. He's moving. He's just saying, hey, buddy, I'm right here. I'm right here. Yeah, I saw that too. I, I was right there. Let me pull you in, right? That's what he wants to do to you. All these things are solvable, guys, but not apart from Jesus. All right, last verses. Here we go. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, I told you. The solution is Jesus Christ crucify those passions and desires. Yeah. I'm going to prove that to you. In my own life, when I really started following Jesus, he crucified literally some passions and desires in my life that were fleshly, worldly, and sinful and literally removed them. I don't desire them anymore. I don't know how to tell you this. Let's, okay, let's say that you're, um, I don't know, that you're vegan, okay? And you gave up meat, you know? You probably used to eat meat or whatever. You said, hey, I got a cousin who's vegan. <clears throat> I said, hey, I'm done eat meat. It's not like two years later, someone puts a steak in front of you. You're like, eh, eh. You're like, I'm not gonna eat that. I don't eat meat anymore. It's like, oh. It's not tempting because you just don't eat steak anymore. Because you've literally changed your mindset, your body and wiring, and your soul to say, I don't do that. Are you catching this? It, <laughs> um, oh. When you have truly come to Christ and crucified those passions and desires, they are gone. I'm not saying others don't experience it. I'm not saying they're not on a billboard or on your phone. I'm not saying they're not lurching at the door. I'm saying when that steak comes in front of you, you say, I don't wanna eat that. That's what I'm saying. Some of us do not believe that's possible though. Whatever your thing is in that list of 20 something deals, you don't think it's possible. You're like, oh, I just can't, I can't get away from that. I just, the comparison game, the sexual morality thing, the, thing, oh, God, the drunkenness, I just, the idolatry, I'm kind of idolizing this, you know, sports person and it's no big deal, you know, and just, it's like, you don't get it, man. If you really got Jesus, you would take Paul's word here and say, oh, no, it's been crucified. It died with him. I'm not gonna go, Jesus, thanks for dying for that. Can I have some of that back? I'm gonna, got my little satchel here. A little satchel of sin. A little satchel of passions and desires. Yeah, here's my satchel. Oh, but I'll put it down Sunday morning. <clears throat> Get back in my car. Here's my satchel. Oh, hey, I'll put it down in the life groups. I know we're gonna D groups. People are gonna ask me about stuff. But leave that satchel in the car. Oh, I know. Hey, at work, gotta be one thing. But at nighttime, that's my time. Uh-oh, we're wearing a little satchel around. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> when Jesus Christ comes, he comes to do it all. He's setting you free. I'm telling you, that is what Paul is talking about. And when you understand that, then the fruit of the Spirit just flows out of you. It's what naturally comes. Do you understand the supernatural conversion for someone is when he literally takes your old life, 
crucifies it, gives you a new one. And he says, your old life, what naturally came out of you was idolatry, anger, drunkenness, divisions, dissensions, impurity. That's what naturally came out of you before. That's sin nature. But when I replaced it with my new nature, and not just any spirit, but the Holy Spirit, what comes out of you is joy, love, peace. That's what comes out of you. That's what naturally flows out of you when you're walking by the Spirit. When you are not, the other stuff comes out of you. It's either or. It can't be a both and game anymore, y'all. We can't be doing the both and thing. Well, I love, but I get drunk. You know, 50 You're back to that works-based thing. You're back to that Christ died needlessly if it requires our good works or weighing on the balances to be saved and be righteous with God. It's all or nothing, right? Finally, he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up as I close this morning. Here's what I want you to know. (laughs) Man, the fruit of the Spirit is what we were made for. God designed Adam and Eve in the garden to live life with him, to be in right standing with him. And then sin entered the picture because of the deception by the devil. And they took the bait and sin entered the picture and they lied to God. And that then created a wedge. And then Jesus Christ came thousands of years later. He lived a perfect life. He came this holy lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. He went on the cross. He died for our sins. And then he was buried. He was raised from the grave, resurrected on a Sunday morning. Celebration came. He defeated death itself, not just death, but the power of sin over people's lives. And then he started, and then, and then other followers started knowing his message, said, hey, this is the message of salvation. This is the message of hope, that if people believe in me, I will forgive them. I will set them free. I will unlock their chains and let their prison doors open. That's what I will do. And when I do that, not just will I set you free, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he's going to just supercharge you to live a life of godliness, which is what was intended a thousand years ago in the Garden of Eden anyways. So the life of godliness only comes when you walk and live by the Spirit. You cannot have a life of godliness apart from the filling and the walking with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a head thing. It's not just a showing up. It's a, it's a, I'm filled with the spirit of God. And when I see with holy lenses, things look different. The enemy now becomes someone that I can love. That was impossible before, but now it's possible. This is the church. This is what the devil's afraid of. People all over the world realizing, wait a second, the all-powerful Mighty God sent his spirit to live inside of me? Oh, man. (laughs) There's like a bunch of superheroes now filled with the spirit. They're unafraid. They're not given to fear. They aren't taking my little lies and little things I'm trying to do them. They're not duped so easily. They're just, they're clear. They're on point. They're confident. They walk tall. They have courage, but they're kind and they're loving and they're full of faith. Whoa, I don't want that to happen. So the devil wants to suppress the truth. But then God calls us to say, hey, no, speak it boldly. Paul writes it aggressively here and I want us to hear this morning. Life in the Spirit is available for you. The fruit of the Spirit You don't have to wake up every day saying, am I being kind? Am I loving? Just say, God, fill me with your spirit. And what's going to flow out of you is kindness and joy and gentleness. And when you do that, you know what that is? That's attractive. Oh, man, that's the most attractive thing on planet Earth. It's to smell like, feel like, sound like the spirit of God. Oh, it's just people are drawn to that. Man, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. Say it's the Holy Spirit. Come on, man, let me talk to you about Jesus and how you get the Holy Spirit. You gotta go to him first to get the Spirit of God. So I want to stand this morning and um, I just wanna pray for us here this morning. Um, uh, Yeah, I just feel like, man, God wants to set you free this morning. He wants to set you free. Not even necessarily from that big long list stuff. I I think he just wants to set you free from feeling powerless, to be quite honest. 
I think that's what the Lord's saying. He's saying, I'm gonna set you free. So I'm just gonna pray for us right now. You can open your hands up or not, just sit there. I don't really care. Just it's between you and the Lord. I'm just gonna pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now that you would move on every heart in the room, every person in the room right now, Lord. Would you set them free? Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come? Would you come and would you bring about conviction on any one of us, Lord, for any sin, anything that we have been doing, any place of doubt we've been having, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come in like a wind and rush through and blow through us right now in this room in our hearts and minds. Lord, fill our souls with your goodness. We pray for the holiness of God to be present, to be evident. Lord, I pray for the fathers in the house and the future fathers, Lord. Would you give them courage today to stand? Would you give them love, give them kindness, Lord? Let them be filled with your spirit so they are the loving fathers you designed them to be. Lord, I pray that they would mark a new course, draw the line from the past. If there's brokenness, Lord, that they draw the line in the sand and say, no more, Lord. I will move forward in Christ. I will move forward in being an amazing dad. No matter what my past was, no matter what the starting line was, Lord, I will love you. I would look to you as my guide and my helper. Holy Spirit, help our fathers in this house to be men of integrity, men of purity, men of love, men of respect, men of courage, Lord. That is what we need in this hour, we pray. And Lord, I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit in a fresh way today. God, we don't wanna play games. We wanna be filled with the Spirit of God so that what comes out of us is the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, the self-control, Lord, that there's no weapon against that. When that is on display, when we are walking in that power, nothing can stop us. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. And no hindrance, no obstacle will be in our way when we are tied to the truth and walking in the Spirit. Lord, help us to be that kind of people, worshiping in spirit and truth, living in spirit and truth. Lord, let us not be like the Galatians, Lord, but Lord, let us stand firm in our faith. Let us not be so easily deceived, I pray, God. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to know when things are off. Help us when we can't see it. Spirit, just alert us. Send the little flag off. Say, hey, that's off. Go back to the Word. That's off. Talk to me. Lord, we need your help in this hour. We need the Spirit of God to change us. Not just another three-point list. We need you, we need to be filled so that everything we touch, everything we do, every interaction, every job, every school paper, every relationship that it's touched and it's filled with the Spirit of God and it oozes out of us, that the fruit of the Spirit is what is, what is on our lips, so it comes out of our hands. It's what's in a handshake or a hug or when we talk to someone, it's, they sense it. They say, oh man, you're one of those Holy Spirit people. I've seen you before. Lord, let it be for us. Let us be a people oh, that experience the richness, the godliness provided when we walk by the Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.